Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're once again back in Activision Blizzard land, whether that's because of Microsoft's purchase of the gaming publisher or Activision Blizzard's continuing cultural issues, lawsuits, and more galore. Either way, we're talking Activision Blizzard and we're also talking gaming unionization. Now, in our Microsoft Times Activision playlist, you can see we talked about labor unions and the reporting on those labor unions just a couple episodes ago for purposes of this playlist, but we do have an update because Activision's taking some more steps regarding Raven Software and potentially thwarting their unionization efforts. Before we get into the details there, though, I do want to point out that this is a Patreon-supported channel. If you like what we do here, please consider supporting us. And as one of the tiers of that Patreon support, you can give a group sponsorship of the channel for the entire month. January 22 features five such sponsors, and we are grateful for all of them, including Dragon Girl, Falcus Vipus, Nord, Opal Studded Dagger, and Brendan Coleman. Thank you all, and again, if you are interested in sponsoring at this level, please do check out our Patreon, and of course, there are other ways to support the channel as well. Now, as I mentioned only a couple of videos ago in this playlist, we talked about the Raven unionization efforts. More specifically, we talked about the fact that CWA, the Communication Workers Union, has announced that they've received signature cards for 78% of the Raven quality assurance workers. And so they want to see a union organized and they want to see it recognized by Activision proper. We talked a little bit about the specifics there. One of the most important pieces of which was that we talked about the fact that you can't just declare yourself a union in general. The National Labor Relations Act and the National Labor Relations Board as federal bodies here in the United States acknowledge unions. And one of the things that they do is they limit unionization to what we call a bargaining unit. And that bargaining unit has to be quote unquote appropriate under the laws that are supporting unionization efforts. How is that appropriateness defined? Well, as we looked at in those baseline rules, they describe appropriateness as follows. The appropriateness of a bargaining unit is determined on the basis of a community of interest of the employees involved. Without even going further, we know this intuitively. The folks that want to unionize have to have some stuff in common. If you're going to collectively bargain a contract, that collective has to make sense to actually be negotiating things like wages, hours, and working conditions. But also, that bargaining unit's community of interest cannot include things like agricultural laborers, professionals. If there's a professional, non-professional kind of collapse in that group, that causes issues. And most importantly for this analysis, independent contractors. So one of the things that isn't getting reported on anywhere is how many of these folks that do QA for Raven are actually contractors and not employees. And of course, there's a number of fights about misclassification. There's lawsuits everywhere. California's passing laws. There's all sorts of things that go into that in terms of classification of employees or contractors. But if a certain amount of folks that are being described in these articles are true independent contractors and not otherwise employees, they aren't eligible to unionize. Further, when we talk about that community of interest, it's not just a community of interest for the employees that are getting together, but also a lack of community of interest in the folks that aren't otherwise going to be in the union. To talk about that particular issue, we pointed out a decision recently made by the National Labor Relations Board called Boeing for the airline manufacturer that said the following. The majority noted that the community of interest analysis requires consideration of not only the shared interests of the employees in the petitioned for unit, but also 
whether those shared interests are sufficiently distinct from the interests of employees excluded from the proposed unit. They proposed a three-part test, the community of interest of the folks that are going to be in the union, also the workers excluded from the unit and whether or not those excluded workers have meaningfully distinct interests in the context of collective bargaining, that they are interested in different things vis-a-vis -vis wages and hours and working conditions that outweigh similarities with the employees in the proposed unit, and if there are already board-established guidelines for determining an appropriate unit configuration in the employees' industry, which is not something that we have to worry about here. In video games, we don't have that kind of historical context to look at. So we're not just looking at whether or not Raven QA workers share interests together, but also whether they share interests with folks that aren't under that QA label, because that creates a problem under the National Labor Relations Act. And enter Activision in the last 24 hours. Here's Nicole Carpenter at Sweet Potatoes on Twitter, who I believe broke the story for Polygon when we first went over it, who says the following, Raven Software studio head Brian Raffle emailed staff today regarding structural changes at the studio, embedding QA into different departments like art design and engineering. Unclear what this means for Raven's QA union efforts. And we can take a look at the actual statement here. Everyone, shortly we will have a meeting where I will explain the latest organizational change that is underway at the studio to enhance the work we do. I hope you can make it, but just in case, please see below. In November, we began the process to convert our temporary employees to full-time employee status. Now, I'm excited to share that our QA colleagues will embed directly within various teams across the studio, including animation, art, design, audio production, and engineering. Just stopping here, one of the things we note here is the reference to temporary employees, whether that means leased employees through an outside third-party provider, whether it means contractors, it's a little bit unclear. In general, non-lawyers don't worry about I's and T's for legal terminology. So temporary employees, a little bit amorphous in this context, but it does mean that they weren't full-time employees under Raven, under Activision until this change was made. So this change was made and now they're embedding those folks, not in a separate QA department, but in the various departments to which they would otherwise provide quality assurance. The letter continues. As we look ahead at the ongoing expansion of Call of Duty Warzone, it's more important than ever that we foster tighter integration and coordination across the studio. Embedding will allow for this. Firstly, our move to embed our QA teams has been carefully considered and is a next logical step in the planned process that began several months ago. Secondly, we're confident that the embedded model, which is a best practice used at other prominent development studios across Activision, will continue to better position our team to deliver best-in-class coordination in a fast-moving live services operation. I look forward to the studio operating more creatively, effectively, and efficiently than ever before. I'm also excited that this change will create increased opportunities for our QA team members to further develop their skills and grow their careers at the studio. Benefits, benefits to you all. Your manager will be setting up team and individual meetings as needed to answer any questions you have. Additionally, please don't hesitate to reach out to John, otherwise unnamed, if you have any questions as well. Sincerely, Brian. Now, you can read between the lines to your heart's content on this. Obviously, this is happening in the shadow of an organization movement from these very people that he is talking about. And certainly, you can argue these benefits and whether or not they'll actually be realized. But from the perspective of a unionization effort, it becomes very, very interesting. In fact, 
This tweet was actually linked to me by a Twitter user named Lark at Larking Out, to which I'm very appreciative, said, hey, Hoglaw, this reminded me of that three-part test you explained. Being split from the main Raven unit into specific teams might complicate showing that they share interests that are different than the teams they work with, question mark. And I think that is a fantastic observation. I think it's an accurate observation. When you talk about this, two specific things happen. One, the community of interest amongst these particular people gets diluted because once you're in art or animation or design or what have you, your job is at least somewhat different from the same kind of QA tester in a different department. But also, being embedded in that separate department links your community of interest, in some respect, to the other folks that are operating in that department itself. So, to be honest, in the shadow of that announcement from CWA, in the shadow of these specific events, it doesn't look great. But you you heard in that email that Activision is justifying it as happening across its studio. We'll see reference to the fact that it happens across the game industry, at least in various forms. And that in and of itself is at least a somewhat accurate defense that will help Activision to say, hey, what we're doing here is to benefit our development process and ultimately end-line consumers. We're allowed to do those things as long as they aren't specifically targeted to harming organization efforts. Now, The Verge took this up saying the path to unionizing has been rougher for Raven Software, and it's about to get rougher, and put together an interesting article on this, where they describe certain things a little bit more accurately than we saw last week, a little bit less in certain respects. We see here at the top line of this particular article, a struggle with whether or not this thing is a union. Uh, And we talked about it last week, of course, because so many journalistic outlets went and said that these folks declaring that they had 78% of the signature cards made them a union, to which I disagreed because that's not how formal unionization occurs in the United States. And you see The Verge kind of slicing the onion a little thinly here. You see, last week, workers at Raven Software announced they had created the Game Workers Alliance, or GWA, and they call it a union of Raven QA developers. They said the union formed, got a lot of active verbs here at the Call of Duty support studio after about five weeks of strikes. Then they say now that the union has formed, the GWA has ended its strike, but there are still many steps between organization and formal unionization. So if you don't know anything about union law, I don't know how you read that paragraph. Fortunately, you're here in virtual legality. Probably you watched our previous video on this topic. We know that what they're trying to say is they've called themselves a union, which is fine. First Amendment, you can call yourselves whatever you like uh, as like-minded individuals, but they aren't a union. They aren't unionized in the way that we would traditionally think of that, as we could see at the end of this article where they actually say, if the majority of QA testers vote in favor of unionization, the GWA would become the second formally recognized video game union in the United States. We could talk about that a little bit more because that bargaining unit question is going to come up as part of this. But you can at least see The Verge moving closer towards accurate journalism on this topic. And to that, I am very appreciative. Now, as for the substance, we get an interview with someone that was striking some comments on how this all is playing out in response to the 12 QA employees being laid off, workers at Raven staged a walkout, and then a sustained five-week strike. Alex DuPont, who is their source here, was one of the strikers. DuPont was employed at Raven Software for a little less than two years, and though he was one of the QA employees who had their contract extended, he was concerned for his colleagues who did not. Now, again, here we just don't get terribly granular legal terminology. Employed means something very specific. A contractor means something very specific. You can be employed 
under a term contract that needs extension. But I don't trust the reporting on these particular topics as being accurate for this kind of description. So I can't promise you that DuPont was an employee rather than a contractor when he makes these quotes or when it's reported on. They are certainly reporting on him being an employee, but this is the kind of thing that will come up because again, independent contractors are not eligible for unionization in the United States. Uh, and a number of you are going to comment on that. That's totally fine. Other jurisdictions handle those kinds of questions differently. But my job here is to tell you how the National Labor Relations Act works in this particular context and independent contractors not eligible. So whether or not this particular group is composed of independent contractors in any sense is going to be a question brought up in terms of recognizing the union, in terms of even allowing for an election. He then gives a number of quotes here to The Verge, but we're not really interested in that as much as we're interested in this reorganization. First, The Verge gives us the lay of the land, says, hey, the employer must choose whether or not to recognize it. Uh, and again, that's kind of an off-ramp towards the normal election process. I doubt Activision will voluntarily recognize it, especially since they gave quotes here, says Activision Blizzard is carefully reviewing the request for voluntary recognition from the CWA. The statement also included talking points common in anti-union communication, including the idea that direct relationships between employer and employees are best for everyone overall, which is undoubtedly anti-union. Uh, they would prefer clearly from everything that they've described to not have to deal with a union or collective bargaining at Raven or at this particular portion of Raven with their QA folks. Uh, but that framing is a little bit interesting, especially since, as we've talked about before, the law specifically allows for both employers and unions and employees to say whatever it is that they need to say as long as threats aren't made, as long as benefits, bribes aren't offered one way or the other. So that's protected by the First Amendment, the U.S. Constitution that goes through unionization and the National Labor Relations Act. So I am of two minds on this. I know folks feel very strongly about unionization or not. Uh, but certainly I think that both the union, CWA, the GWA, the workers, and the company should be able to say their piece and have that battle of ideas on whether it makes sense uh, pretty much without our interference on the outside. Continuing, Polygon reporter Nicole Carpenter shared an email sent by Raven Software studio head Brian Raffle saying the QA department would be reorganized. That's the one we just looked at. And then The Verge reports as follows. Embedding QA employees is common in the video game industry. And I highlighted that in red because that's important. One of the things you're trying to avoid if you're Activision is doing things that look specifically like you're targeting the unionization activity, right? The baseline rule is that employees have the right to self-organization, to figure out who they want to represent them, to figure out what unions they want to actually be bargaining on their behalf, and employers aren't allowed to really mess with that, right? It's an unfair labor practice in general to interfere with, restrain, or coerce employees in the exercise of their rights as guaranteed in the section we just looked at. It's also worthwhile to note that as we just said, you are allowed to say whatever it is that you want to say as long as you don't have a threat of reprisal or force or promise of a benefit. Those statements, hey, we don't think a union would make sense here. Hey, we think if we have to add a union, the costs will go up and we might have to reorganize the company. We might have to shut something down. Those things can be said as long as they are premised on reasonable standards of analytics and aren't just blind threats towards what the employees are trying to do. So keep that in mind as we look at this. The Verge continues its reporting saying the reorganization has been in the works since November. We saw that referenced in the email. That's also important insofar as that would have been before they knew of 
formalized unionization efforts. Signature cards, I believe, went out in early December from the reporting that was shared with us. And then the cards themselves were only reported at that 78% level very, very recently. So that timeline and the fact that it's common in the video game industry, both designed to say that Activision Blizzard is doing something that is business reasonable. Whether or not you agree with them is up to you, but that's their defense when they talk about these kinds of things. The Verge continues, however, this move breaks up the QA department and scatters them throughout the company, potentially making it harder to organize as a collective unit, undoubtedly. In a statement to The Verge, the CWA, who remember, is asking to be recognized as the representative of these individuals to collectively bargain against Raven. This announcement, which came three days after Raven QA workers publicly requested recognition of their union, the Game Workers Alliance, is nothing more than a tactic to thwart Raven QA workers who are exercising their right to organize. The GWA has asked for a response from Activision Blizzard on whether or not it will recognize their union by today, and so far they have not. I would, again, doubt that they will. If not, the GWA will initiate an election for the union with the NLRB. They will petition for one that the NLRB will examine in terms of the validity of the bargaining unit that has been proposed and other factors that go into that entire process. So initiates a little strong. They will ask the NLRB to put together an election, and we'll see how that process goes. If the majority of QA testers vote in favor of unionization in an election authorized by the NLRB, then they would become an actual union. And those headlines about a major publisher in the United States having a unionized workforce would be accurate at that time. But basically, Activision has moved forward with what they claim was an effort that they were making before all of this started. Do you believe them? Do you believe that this is a response to what just happened or that they were working on it before? And do you believe that Activision isn't just trying to quash the union? I think it's pretty much guaranteed that Activision would prefer not to work in a unionized environment. And I have no doubt that this kind of plan was something that they could initiate if it started to look like they were losing track of their employees, losing that faith, and potentially could become unionized. Whether or not that makes it the kind of thing that can get you in trouble with the NLRB is an open question, but the fact that they are defending themselves and presumably could point to other activities in the industry that do it this way is suggestive of the fact that they've already thought about this and think that they would be fine if it came to it, if it came to the CWA or somebody else complaining that they were deliberately trying to hurt the self-organization efforts of their employees. But we can read between the lines here. Certainly Activision is doing what it can. Are they within the bounds of the law? I don't know that I can decide that. What do you think? Leave a comment to this video. If you caught this on Patreon, then please support the channel. I don't think you caught it on Patreon. I don't think I put videos up there. But if you enjoyed this commentary and this discussion of business and law, of pop culture, unions, video games, and more, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon. As we discussed, we do have a tier that allows you to get your name read by me once a month, including Dragon Girl, Falcus, Vipus, Nord, Opal Studded Dagger, and Brendan Coleman. Thank you so much for sponsoring the channel here in January of 2022. If you are interested in seeing your name up there, hearing me read it, please do consider supporting the channel at that level. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends that we exist, sharing it on forums, Reddit, wherever else you might find yourself is all very, very helpful. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. 
It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.